Welcome to the Old Galway Diary Podcast. Each week, Tom Kenny and I, Ronnie O'Gorman, write a column in the Galway Advertiser. Before it goes to press, we contact each other and share what is filling the page that particular week. This podcast is that conversation. And I would add, we enjoy talking to you and would appreciate if you would give us a rate and review on the Apple Podcast app. Morning, Tom. Um, Hello, Ben. Hello, Ben. How are you? It's me again. Uh, Ronnie looks to be out of action now for a couple of weeks, but he'll be back in uh, in a few weeks. And he misses... Lacuna J. Lacuna J. chats, he told me, but um, we'll see how we get on anyway without him. Maybe he won't need to come back in the end. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe. Yeah. So how are you? Anyway, getting, how are this you week, doing? yeah. Uh, this week, I want to talk about... Uh, a very major industry in Galway in the middle of the last century. Uh, but there's a very interesting backstory to this. Oh, yeah. In the 1930s, <clears throat> uh, Ireland, for some reason, instructed all of its consul officials in Europe not to issue visas to any Jewish refugees. Uh-huh. I, I don't quite understand that. That was in the 30s. Yeah. But, of course, at the time, the country was also in a terrible economic state, <clears throat> uh, recovering from wars of independence and everything. <clears throat> and Sean Lamass realized that new industries would really help and were very important to the country. So an Irish-Jewish businessman, Marcus Whitstam was his name, <clears throat> based in Dublin, he offered to help uh, Lamas, and he went to Paris. He met a man called Henry Orbach there, who owned a small hat factory. And he suggested to Henry, <coughs> excuse me, that he might open a business in Ireland, right. which would be a much safer place for Jewish people, people of the Jewish persuasion than continental Europe <coughs> at the time with the rise of Nazism. Yeah. And Orbach agreed. And so a hat factory came to Galway and it started life originally uh, in Air Square. Now, <clears throat> very shortly after this factory came here, <clears throat> excuse me, another one called Western Hats opened in Castlebar. And a little later again, another factory called Hirsch Ribbons opened in Longford. Now, all three came here thanks to the efforts uh, of Marcus Whitstam. Uh, he was deeply involved in their setting up, and in doing so, in each case, in the case of each factory, he brought quite a number of experts, experts in inverted commas, over from Europe to help train the staff. All of these experts happened to be Jewish, who otherwise would probably have been caught up in you know, the whole murder machine that yeah. the, the Nazis were at at the time. And uh, this resulted in Whitstam being referred to occasionally as the Irish Schindler, Oscar Schindler. Wow. So, in <clears throat> July 28th, 1937, the Irish Times reported that a considerable amount, quantity of machinery had already been imported and assembled at Air Square, where a temporary premises had been secured 
by the new Galway Hat Manufacturing Company, and work would begin the following Monday. The directors of this company were Louis O'Dea, a local solicitor, and Mr. McKellen, McKellen in from Baal in County Mayo, Marcus Whitstam, whose own company was known as Viennese Knitted Goods, Henry Orbach, the man who brought the factory over and who was now the managing director of Les Modes Modernes. This was the French name that they put on the company, the hat factory, and a man called Marcel Goldberg, who was <clears throat> going to be the assistant managing director. So they were in a premises which were owned by Messrs. Bailey and Leiden in Air Square. I am presuming that is, uh, there was a Bailey's Hotel and a number of Bailey's businesses halfway down Air Square <clears throat> on the north side, roughly where O'Connell's Pub is today. Right. So I'm presuming that that's where it was. I'm not yeah. 100% sure. But anyway, they employed about 20 people and they were trained by 12 experts who were brought over from Europe. And they started turning out about 50 hats every day. <clears throat> now, we've got to remember, this is in the 30s. This is 90 years ago. So hats were a major kind of fashion statement, really, at the time. And also... These were women's hats. They weren't like flat caps. Women's hats, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> they were. Yeah. But while... They were setting up operations in Earthgrade. They were building a new factory in Bohemore. Okay. It was James Stewart and Company who built it. Uh, MJ Kennedy and George Lee were the architects, and a man called T.P. McGowan was the clerk of works. The building, which was very big, uh, it cost £11,000 at the time. <clears throat> now, a big, big crowd assembled on July 18th. <clears throat> uh, in other words, this week being the anniversary of this, yes, uh, yes. in 1938. It was Jean Lamas who opened it, and uh, it, the bishop blessed it. And he, he, whether he meant it or not, he certainly gave them, the company a terrific marketing boost by announcing that he was going to encourage all Galway women in his diocese to wear hats rather than scarves when going to church. <laughs> which probably would have encouraged quite a few yeah, of them. Great for you know, sales. Yeah. yeah. Now, the, unfortunately, at the same time, almost, the woolen mills, which had been a big industry in Galway, were closing down. So I'm presuming a lot of the staff from the woolen mills would have transferred to this new plant. But it was a big, by Galway standards, it was big building. It, there were 14 apartments. Uh, it was 140 by 90 feet long. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the roofing was unusual. It was a system known as North Light Truss type. <clears throat> and what this ensured was perfect daylight lighting within the factory. So the offices were at the front. There was a large display room at the front as well. And the whole factory was in towards the back. <clears throat> um now, it was almost immediately a big business because they employed 110 girls and 54 men. Mm. And they were hoping to expand on that, and expand they did. They were producing 1,200 hats per day when they set up in Bohemore. They had a license to produce a million 
hats per annum for the home market, which at the time consumed, is the word it's used, 1.3 million hats per year. So it looks like these hats didn't last very long, or maybe they went out of fashion very quickly. Anyway, within a couple of years, they had more than uh, about 250 employees, and they were producing 3,000 hats a day in Bohemore. The uh, there was a bit of a downturn. Um, there were first of all, they were worried about um, accessing uh, cones, specially shaped cones from Belgium, uh, which these were used to shape hats. Uh, but with the advent of World War II, they were very concerned about this. But that was when the factory opened in Castlebar. And they manufactured the cones and they used it themselves. They called themselves Western Hats in Castlebar and Les Modes Modernes here in Galway. Anyway, the, then the plant in Longford opened, the third factory of Mr. Whitstam's, and they manufactured ribbons. And these were used in great numbers by uh, the Galway plant. So the business, but the business took a bit of a downturn in the mid-40s because there was a kind of a craze for headscarves. And uh, it was of a serious nature. It genuinely threatened the factory in Bohemore. <clears throat> Pious people, this is kind of funny, uh, and this is a quotation, headscarves are frequently worn in church. They are a distraction to pious people who, when trying to pray, are looking at dog racing and scenery of all descriptions on scarves in front of them. <laughs> but anyway, happily, the craze didn't last too long and the business came back to almost normal. <clears throat> it had, uh, well, one of their advertisements said, everybody knows that no two ladies can agree on the style or the color of a hat. So it was very important for the factory to have a busy design department who kept changing and innovating with designs, new designs, new fashions, and new trends, <clears throat> and which in turn kept the rest of the factory very busy. And they also, the factory kept experimenting with different colors as well. Uh, and as a result, they, they did a small amount of business, uh, a retail business from the factory, from a little shop in the front of the factory. Mm -hmm. But their products were distributed to the main stores all over this country and in Britain, and happily they exported to the USA as well. Wow. And they were a very major employer uh, in Galway at the time, uh, especially of local women and girls from Bohemore. Uh, they were hugely important. But in the 60s, fashions began to change and hats were going out of fashion, unfortunately. And so in 1970, the business closed down, which was a great pity and certainly made a major economic impact locally in the Bohemore area. Yeah. So what I have this week is a photograph. It's from a newspaper clipping from the Irish press <clears throat> of 1938. So it will look a little pixelated in on the advertiser, yeah. and also an advertisement from July 1940, which tells you hopefully a bit about the business as well. So that's what I have this week. Uh, but just before I finish, 
I would like to just say hello and greetings to Adrian and Maura Hendry, who regularly listen to this podcast oh. and who have just moved into their home in the Crescent in Galway. And oh, great. Long life and happiness and health there. Yes, lovely place to live. That's great. Indeed. Yeah, it is, actually. Yeah. And curiously, it's in a house that my father was born in. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that's know. a long, long time ago. Yes, yeah, yeah. We'll do an episode on that sometime, maybe. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. That is very interesting about the hats. I feel like hat making in Galway is still kind of a thing. You know, Philip Tracy was really successful. And there's a... Yeah, I was about to mention him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and a hat maker out in Moy Cullen, Emily Jean, who's very successful as well. So I wonder, did it all start back with the uh, with Marcus Whitsum? Yeah, quite probably. And, you know, and like, <clears throat> obviously, millinery comes very much into yeah, the news yeah. every year around the time of the Galway races. Exactly. So they'll be busy. You're, right you're now. absolutely right. Uh, but yeah, now they were turning out 3000 hats a day. Yeah. Uh, so you can imagine. I don't know how many designs would have been in that. Uh, yeah. Probably 40 or 50 different designs and using different things like feathers and you know, ribbons, uh, and obviously different shapes, sizes, etc. So it was exciting. Now, at the other thing that happened while the hat factory was still there <clears throat> was that a major factory called Galway Textile Printers opened on Sandy R Road, uh, and it became a very big employee. There were four or 500 people working there. Oh, wow. So between the two, it was a very serious textiles hub in Galway in the 50s and 60s. Uh, yeah. both, both are gone now, and the textile factory, the plant is about to make way for a new town that they're going to build there on Sandy Road, which will take a number of years to build now. But uh, for a time, yeah, it was a real textile centre in the west of Ireland. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, wow. Well. There you go. Very good. So that's me this week. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, so anyway, I cannot finish without sending greetings to Ronnie. Yeah. And saying, we just want you to get well soon. Yeah. Uh, because I'm very lonely without you. I, <laughs> well, he's listening closely and uh, he may pull the plug next week if he's not happy with our, uh, with our. Yeah, Lacuna, yeah exactly. Well, yeah. Okay, Ben. You're keeping a care in here. Okay, yeah. I'll see you right. next week, though, Tom. Until next week, yeah. God okay. bless. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.